Hey everyone, popping in for a quick disclaimer. In this episode, the interview rendered in a way where a few very small moments, it sounds like we're over-talking. This should in no way impair your ability to listen and learn from this episode, but we did just want to let you know that it's there. This is part of podcasting in a pandemic, and as we all know, sometimes technology doesn't work in our favor. However, we are also so excited to let you all know that our guest today provided a very special gift for our listeners. After you listen in on what Sam is drinking today, check out the show notes where she provided an unabridged guide to Mexican spirits. This guide is an introduction to the differences between tequila, mezcal, sotol, and bacanora, the regions where these come from, a few cocktail recipes, and information on the distillation process itself. It's an incredible resource, and we think you'll learn a lot from it and highly recommend downloading it. And with that, on with the show. This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Hello, my love. What are you drinking today? So while it is a day that I have to be a responsible adult because I'm on call, I am straying away from the one-stop shop special (laughs) with my virgin virgin drink. And instead I made a hot apple cider and I added a little bit of extra goodness to it. I added cardamom, which is like, cardamom is my kink. I'm not going to lie. That is a, that. that is a pull quote. (laughs) into an Instagram tag graphic cardamom is my kink Uh, I just I love hashtag it spread it everywhere that's ours now it is we claim that but oh I love cardamom like it's just it's the best spice that exists I will fight you on that till the end but I added some of that I added a little teeny tiny bit of nutmeg and I added some cinnamon. So I just kind of spiced it up a little bit, you know? And so we can finally say, Shale, you have breached the one-stop shop special and became less of a garbage human being this week. <laughs> I stand a garbage person, to be honest. So it's fine. <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do you got for us on your end of the table? Well... I originally was intending to make myself a smoothie. We um, are recording multiple episodes with some really fun guests today. So I started, you know, my day with a little bit of alcohol and thought I would go the healthier route and put a bunch of fruit in my blender by itself. Um, And then I went downstairs to make it. And my dear, sweet partner drank all of the orange juice that I bought yesterday. Oh, no. (laughs) So I didn't have any liquid to make my smoothie with. So I was like, you know what? The universe is clearly just wants me to keep rolling. So you and I are drinking the same thing. I have, I used the last of my apple cider. It's honey crisp apple cider. I did add to this one, a little splash of homemade vanilla extract. 
Ooh. Just to give it a little bit, the the Honeycrisp apple cider specifically really makes you feel like you're drinking a caramel apple. But I tossed some whiskey back in there because that's just the kind of day I'm having. You know and- what? <laughs> <laughs> And I, uh, I cut myself a nice little cross section of an apple because all of our witchy apple loving mm. I mean, people should know that when you cut a cross section of an apple, there's a cute little pentagram, five pointed star in the middle of it. That is so true. So I decided to, yeah, it was like that was, I dressed it up a little bit more than my last one. But yes, it is hot apple cider crew today. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us in our extra AF hot apple ciders we're we're killing this today yes it is hitting the spot it's been a very weird all seasons in multiple hours kind of Colorado weather day here (laughs) where I've been both hot and freezing in the last hour and I think it's snowing and sunny again now so yeah we just have a ton of wind where I'm at in Colorado not quite snow yet but I'm waiting for it Apologize if anybody heard that. That was my dog coughing under the bed. So recording in a pandemic remains as professional and fun as it always has. I think the last episode we recorded today, you're definitely going to hear my needy ass cat in the background. (laughs) I did hear him. It was very cute. (laughs) She insisted on being in the room, of course, but then decides halfway through the recording that she doesn't actually want to be in the room anymore and that I should alleviate that problem at that exact moment or else. Yeah. So she won. She kept meowing. So I was like, okay, fine. And I got up and let it out. <laughs> oh, goodness. What would we do without our cats? I do love her very much, but she can be so demanding. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? How, you know, like if aliens were to be looking down on us and, and we all think that we're the dominant species or whatever, you know, <laughs> and that they'd be like, yeah, but you actually like, you know, scoop their poop and feed them on demand. So who is really the the owner here, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Neither one of my familiars pay rent, which I think is complete bullshit. Yeah. So what's up with that? (laughs) Oh, funny. Okay. So you know what that sound means. It's my favorite sound. Favorite sound. We are keeping things interesting and using yet another deck today. This is a goddess oracle deck. That's my lovely sister-in-law gifted me for my birthday this year and I haven't had a lot of opportunities to use it yet so I'm excited to see who we pull today we always welcome goddess energy into this space yes okay Hmm. what energy are we meant to call upon just think about kind of your our outlook for the coming week what will be beneficial for all of us who we can all stand to learn a little bit more about. Oh, okay. This beautiful lady fell out. Oh, funny. Okay. So we have... I mean, suspense. (laughs) I know. The suspense when you can't actually see the card that is pulled. I imagine it's difficult. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) So we have drawn the goddess Cradylad. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. It should have a cute little Irish accent with it, I think. Um, Or she's Welsh, excuse me. Okay, I'm reading from the guidebook here because I don't actually know much about her, but I'm excited about it. She's, I'll describe this card. She's very cute. She's a blonde 
got us in a flowy purple gown sitting in a big um, meadow of flowers. She's smelling a rose. She has flowers in her hair. And she represents, if you'll believe it, self-care. Get out. (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) You guys only knew because obviously that's going to be the topic of the episode today. Spoiler alert. That's freaking crazy. This is so funny. So yes, her origin is Welsh. And her page in this book says, it's time to take care of yourself. Goddess of flowers and spring, Cradylad is guiding you to fill your own well and tend to your own garden because the time to bloom is coming very soon. I love that. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, I'm sorry for anybody that was wearing headphones when I just freaked out there a second ago. (laughs) Number two, how do you spell her name? Yes, so you spell it C-R-E-I. D-D-Y-L-A-D. Oh, okay. That's that's something I want to look into a little bit more. She sounds yeah like the archetype that comes with her. Me too. I think this would be fun. Uh, we'll post like Instagram stories with some of our findings of her when we, after we launch this episode, I think that would be a fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. Fun learning journey for us all to go on. That's what we're all about here. We're all about the continual eternal learning and being a forever student. So I think that's perfect. Yes. So speaking of self-care, we have a guest today who is, by very definition, a self-care witch. Yes. Which I'm very excited about. We're going to be bringing on Sam from Toil and Trouble, which is a Denver wellness. She's a, she makes soaps and and face serums and body care and all sorts of beautiful, magical tinctures and potions. Um, but her soaps are how she got her start, and they're absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, it's magically crafted self-care that's simple, affordable, and sustainable, which are all things that I absolutely love. Her packaging is, you know, no plastic. There are no synthetic fragrances. Just no bullshit. Just good, clean, fun, literally. Mm. Uh, I just, I am so excited to have her on. I think it's going to be just so lovely. And, you know, this year has been horrendous. (laughs) And I think that we all are doing. Sorry, I almost spit out some apple cider. (laughs) That's a poor choice of drink time. (laughs) But this is, I think all of us could do better at paying a lot more attention to the way that we are practicing self-care. Um, I know it's something I need to really work on. So I'm just, I think her being here is extremely relevant and I can't wait to hear her wisdom and everything she's going to share with us. So yes, me too. So let's get into it. Well, welcome Sam to the podcast. Hello. I'm. How are you? What are you drinking today? Uh, so as you could find in the uh, digital download that we're going to incorporate with this. I'm drinking the Tommy's margarita, which is my favorite uh, variation of a margarita. Super stripped down. Uh, just tequila, lime juice, a little bit of agave, and salt. Mm. What about you guys? I like a classic. We uh, actually both went the hot apple cider route Ooh, today. that sounds so good. Yeah. Mine's got a little bit of whiskey in it because I've been having some technical difficulties. <laughs> I <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> and Shale is on call, so she's being our responsible mother today. Yeah, I'm the OBMMDD today. 
so many acronyms in my life. And all consonant. Nope, just kidding. There's a vowel in there. Just kidding. Um, before we get super started, Sam, we, Shale and I kind of, I did a little intro, um, to you kind of prior to this, we did our, you know, our welcome, what are you drinking card pull. And I just wanted to share with you, um, because we pulled from a goddess deck today and the goddess we got was Cradilad, who is a Welsh goddess of self-care, which is is so perfect. Can you believe that? I was just mind blown. I yelled, everyone's ear ears are gonna be blown up from their headphones so apologize again (laughs) no problem so can you say the name again of this goddess yes it's uh cray de lad okay i'm going to research this after after we finish that's so interesting i've never heard of this one we we hadn't either um and she's a welsh goddess and to be fair my knowledge of welsh goddesses is definitely limited Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're both really excited to dig in and research her a little bit more on the Instagram, too. But, yeah, I just oddly fitting today. We are all things (laughs) self-care. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't take care of yourself, who will? Yes, exactly. So speaking of taking care of yourself and all of that good stuff, why don't you give everybody kind of a brief introduction to who you are, what you do, and we'll we'll let the roller coaster take over from there. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my name is Sam, and I run Toil and Trouble, which is a self care brand focused on kind of combining elements of science with the occult. <laughs> I I make soap. Uh, I also do just you know kind of whatever. I'm feeling my practice is pretty intuitive with the products that I release, but primarily I focus on making sustainable soap. I love that. So what about soap making? What, what kind of sparked, how did your journey with soap making begin? I guess is the best place to start. Yeah. Uh, so having listened to your podcast before, both of you kind of mentioned the elements of Saturn return and your journey into like witchiness. And that kind of inspired me to think about what what my journey has been. So I've been making soap for about a decade now. And <laughs> that realization alone is kind of freaky sometimes to think about that. Like, <laughs> oftentimes I tell myself, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to do this or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're 29, Sam. <laughs> you're doing it, kid. Um, <laughs> You look around and you're it, Yes, exactly. But I still feel like I have so much growth ahead of me that that that's why that inner child keeps referring to when I'll be an adult. <laughs> but it, I mean, that may be just yeah. like the millennial in me. But all of that is to say, I've been thinking a lot about kind of the context in which I started making soap. And it's, it's incredibly aff- affirming to think about, you know, how things that may seem just kind of bumps in the road turn out to be, my friend put it so beautifully. It's like you see a brick wall and there are all these like layers of paint that start to adhere to it. And then you can't really, you know, recognize the brick anymore. That's kind of how I feel in my like adulthood, looking back on that past, like it felt like nothing at the time. And yet here I am now thinking like, this is an entirely new building. Hmm. I love that. So so what are some of those layers of paint for um, you? I would say first off is just like the brand name and how that came about because I'm thinking of like the interrelationship of 
Toil and Trouble came from, you know, Shakespeare's Hamlet double Toil and Trouble. And I ended up abbreviating the trouble part just to kind of add my own deviance to it. You know, it's not, it's new, it's edgy, it's trouble, T-R-B-L. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and through theater, I met one of my best friends in high school, Aya, and my relationship with them has kind of added those layers of paint, so to speak. So, you know, uh, becoming better friends with Aya introduced me to a family that taught me how to make soap in the first place when I was like in high school. So like 16, 17. And uh, so I, I owe a lot of my knowledge to like first off meeting Aya and then adopting this skill through her friendship and the people that they introduced me to. That's really beautiful. Um, I think it's, it's so interesting to see where, where these little, where these friendships, where these connections um, keep popping up in later life too, even as you've, you know, gone and, you know, grown up, moved, moved away, you know, <laughs> um, experienced different things in your own life and your own business. So as far as like soap making specifically goes, what it was her family then who kind of taught you the ropes? The yeah, it was on? over the summer. We would always do all these like crafty projects because I've always been kind of a you know, artistic person, self-expression through making things type of person. And uh, oftentimes we'd spend summers, you know, tie-dyeing or uh, that was the summer that I learned how to make soap. And I, at the time, I remember just being like a teenager, like, you could make your own soap? What? <laughs> that sounds amazing and also like <laughs> right? completely crazy at the same time. But yeah, learning how to make soap through the summertime created this reverence for DIY. You know, I've always been that person that's like much preferred something handmade than purchased by a store. And uh, this was a skill that kind of came up uh, again and again in my life. It, it would, you know, get buried in the other many things I wanted to do and, you know, distracted with school, distracted with work. And then throughout this whole time, I'd been making soap just as gifts to give and hadn't really like thought through making a brand until very recently. But yeah, I, I'm just grateful that yeah. I I had that first introduction to, to the skill. Not many people have that. So was it something that as soon as you, yeah, as soon as you did it, it was something that you were just like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is something I want to do forever. Or, or what was that kind of like? I would say that when we first did it, what I appreciated about it was kind of like the witch like process of it. So, you know, you get all of your ingredients together. It honestly, I mean, it it is the synthesis of toil and trouble as I see it as like my my stamp, you know? It's a mix of yeah. science and it's a mix of like artistry and witchiness. So you're here brewing this potion, essentially, but it is very exact. Uh so there's room for creativity, but there's also uh it's an experiment. That's really interesting. So what's, um, what kind of brought it about then more recently in, in bringing it to fruition as a full fledged brand and business for you? What was that catalyst? Um, for so you? I attribute that catalyst to be a friend that kind of pushed me to sell my wares in a more authentic, like structured way. Cause until that point, I'd been basically making soap for gifts and and just like it was like one of those unique skills that I met many different types of people in the world um, 
having worked in like the service industry prior to uh, working in an office and you meet all these very talented, incredible people. And, and I, that was kind of like my thing, you know, like, oh, I work with all these chefs that know how to make, make everything themselves. So like going back to that whole reverence for like DIY, like I adore people that look at something and say like, I'm going to try and make that myself. So that was like my, kind of my game, you know, like around those people where it's like, oh, you make soap and you make tinctures and you butcher and you cure things. And I, we're all just like this community of creators and I love it. Yeah, that's so fun. So speaking of that community of creators, then, you know, we, we talked a little bit kind of offline while we were getting to know each other about, um, about that process, about the butchering process at those, you know, fine dining restaurants you were working in when you were in the service industry and, and, you know, kind of seeing that what I love about your brand is that, you know, at its core, you are, you are sustainable, you are using, you know, things that are, that would otherwise be going to waste and you're creating something absolutely beautiful out of them. So I, I think it would be really interesting for people to hear kind of that butchering process story. Absolutely. So um, going back to like how these, these little ripples in our lives, like create big waves. Aya's family owned Paris on, Paris on the Platte, which at the time was nearly 30 years old, like Denver staple coffee shop house. Um, it ended up closing, I think in 2015, while I was still working there. And the restaurant adjacent to it was Colton Gray, which was like a nose to tail, new American style uh, restaurant. So having lost my job at the coffee shop, I did have these connections of folks that worked next door, asked for a job, got it, and was immediately overwhelmed at how little I knew about fine dining. I was very like salt of the earth at the time, completely naive, like I, I think about it now and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I had no grace whatsoever. Like, I still don't, but I, I had less. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. Um, I think, I mean, fine dining is, <laughs> it's its own culture in and of itself. And I feel like anybody being absolutely feel overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I was still like in my early 20s when I was, working at Colton Gray. So it was, it was a little bit like a, like a self-development alongside of this, like kind of professional development of, you know, going from a completely anarchist, like rad artistic place like Paris on the Platte to this very rigid, like, this is how we serve people. This is hospitality. Um, Completely different worlds for me. With that said, you know, I'm, not the type of person that likes to feel dumb, you know? And when I was there, I was like, wow, there's so much I don't know. Uh, I I'm I need to change that. I want to change that. I want to be around these people and I, I want to speak their language. Uh, and so I took the initiative to meet with Kyle Foster, who is the head butcher at the time. And he broke down a pig in front of me and like sh- showed me all the mus- muscles and the the cuts and how they cured things and how they prepared it so that I knew from start to finish how it was done so that I could be a better server. It's very cool that even though you were in that fine dining world, that felt like a completely opposite world from your, you know, <laughs> boho coffee shop, laissez-faire kind of attitude um, that you still, you're still surrounded by so many people with all of these really incredible, unique Absolutely. and talents. Yes. Like they're everywhere. I, I, <laughs> Kyle, I owe a lot to Kyle for just, you know, 
I was very ignorant at the time and he was patient enough. He took his time to teach me. And uh, if anybody who lives in Colorado um, is familiar with Julep, uh, he is uh, running that restaurant. So he owns that restaurant, moved from Colton Gray onto that. And they continue to do amazing things. Um, all the chefs there are, are incredible. Yeah. So That's in sharing it. that experience with Kyle, I was noticing, you know, as he's butchering this pig, a lot. Colton Gray was a nose to tail place. So we truly, truly tried to use as much of the animal as possible. And that just like spoke to me on some level. Uh, and I would see this waste, this like excess fat that we couldn't do something with. And I asked one of the chefs at one point in time, would you mind rendering this and I'll, I'll turn it into soap for you. And we can have this for like Christmas presents. And they were like, that is the most rad, like sustainable nose to tail. Like, yes, <laughs> like absolutely. Uh, so we did it. I, I like one of my first scrap soaps was, uh, it's a mixture of like pork and lamb that was butchered in house at that restaurant. And that's such like a, almost like a primal ancestral connection too, because I feel like when, when people started making soap, they, animal fat was at their disposal, right? <laughs> like they didn't have mm -hmm. cold pressed oils or anything that we really have these days. Um, so it's just kind of cool to circle it back that way as well. Yes. It's, I mean, the roots of soap making is a little gruesome in a sense because, you know, those fats, they kind of put the, put the marbles together uh, in relationship to the chemical reaction to dead bodies. So it's, it's kind of a weird, like morbid history of uh, initial soap making, but yes, I hear you. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's going back to using what you have instead of this kind of capitalist world we live in today. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, thinking of it being a chemical reaction to bodies, which I feel like that's a mood and witchy enough in itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what, can you tell us a little bit more about your, your journey, um, your witchy journey, where you identify as and, and how you came to incorporate that element into your business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say for me, a big part of my journey is accepting all aspects of myself. And that includes, you know, um, the Hispanic roots, the white heritage that I have, you know, kind of living in, in Colorado where it is, you know, primarily white and feeling kind of an outsider in, in both aspects, like not really aligning at all with uh, my Hispanic Latina heritage and white culture as well. Uh, so I think that, you know, being in that kind of position, I really did not want to be seen, uh, for a really long time. And the more that I embrace myself, the more I learn about myself, like the deeper my practice gets, uh, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, um, yeah. so to that point, I, I would say that the witch aesthetic, while very appealing and very, you know, um, dark and brooding, and I just, I love the vibe. But I also kind of want room to be myself. <laughs> and that person is like, I, I identify as a rainbow yeah. witch, personally. <laughs> I'm all about color. Yes. I uh, that. And that's why I am so glad to be on the podcast, because what really resonated with me is the fact that 
the two of you want to dismantle, like, this is for everyone. This is our journeys. And we're not going to gatekeep because you're not wearing all black all the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, that's something we've both personally struggled with too. Just, it's so easy. I mean, an imposter syndrome's a bitch anyway, right? (laughs) And then you add, you know, things like, social media and, you know, just culture on top of it. And it gets really, it can be really intimidating to break into something like a more, you know, into deepening your own spiritual practice. And it, um, I think it keeps a lot of people from asking questions and exploring things um, just because they're, you know, too nervous that, you know, they won't be accepted or you're not, you know, you're not witchy enough, you're not edgy enough. Um, And we, we all love to tap into that. Like that vibe is, it's so fun and it's so powerful, but I mean, nobody can live there all the time and everybody's built of so many different facets. That's what I think it's, we love Mm -hmm. as humans to try to label ourselves and it's impossible to, right? Like everybody is so unique and interesting and contradictory and you can hold two truths in the same hand. You know, you can be you can be Elphaba and Linda <laughs> at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I love that you referenced Wicked. <laughs> I love that musical. Yes, always. Um, love Wizard of Oz, honestly. Like one of my favorite memories of uh, childhood is my my mom used to work. So she's a nurse. And she used to work for um, – she worked at a place for the developmentally delayed so it was a lot of hard work, you know, working with people with um, pretty severe health issues. And she was just such a a secure force there that, you know, when she left, they were like, you're our scarecrow. And she's like, oh, because I have no brain, you know, self-deprecating humor, of course. <laughs> and they said, no, because we're going to miss you the most. So it, I don't know if everybody's, you know, as familiar with Wizard of Oz as I am, but that's what Dorothy says to the scarecrow i'll miss you the most that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> i just got goosebumps that's so sweet um so okay so bringing that rainbow witchery around then how do you incorporate that in in toil and trouble you know most of your soaps are all inspired by crystals and the accompanying scents that go with those i'm just so curious about your creative process in coming up with with scent profiles and colors and just kind of where you draw. Uh, I would say the most obvious answer to me is just living seasonably. So, or seasonally, that's a word, Uh, seasonally. Yeah. So that was another thing that, you know, um, (laughs) Colton Gray really provided was thinking about centering a menu over what's available right now not commercially speaking, but, you know, here, where we live currently, what would you have at your disposal? And, you know, incorporating that into the food that we created. Uh, Similarly, I try and create my soaps kind of keeping in mind what is going on in the world and what time of season it is. Um, Often if I make a product, I try to at least be cognizant of the moon cycles that are going on at the time to just kind of really enhance the soap in that spiritual way. So then as far as Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're naming things, when you're coloring. Oh, what do you use to Yeah, color, so actually? I would I'm like to get a little bit deeper into the world of, you know, more more natural elements into the soap. So currently I color the soaps with uh, mica powder or mica powder. 
I do a charcoal soap that is, you know, made with activated charcoal. So it's like this deep black color. And I, I love that. But I lately have been experimenting with, you know, um, more natural substances like beetroot powder, uh, turmeric is awesome in natural soaps. Uh, but it, it is a process, you know, like if, if I'm trying to create a certain signature scent and then align that with a crystal and then try and replicate what that crystal looks like via color, you are limited somewhat in the palette that you have. Uh, when you go the natural route, but yeah. I, I would like to incorporate more of those um, types of soaps so that if you're, if you have any allergies, then you're taken care of always. Like that's kind of my number one goal is to make a product that takes care of your, your skin. I, that's such a beautiful correlation to this podcast, right? Yes. This is a space where everyone is welcome and your products are readily available. I, I try. I definitely try. Everyone. You know, I'll make vegan soaps, but I, I still love the idea of the scrap soap. So I'm not getting rid of that. <laughs> well, and it just goes along with the sustainability aspect, right? And as, as who does identify as vegan, I think there's really true beauty in um, honoring an animal as much as physically possible after they have, you know, after their life is gone. Um, so to know that yes. you're making an effort to make sure that nothing goes to waste, I think is just actually very, very beautiful. Thank you. I, I think, you know, you had shared in that catch up session that, you know, your father hunts and mine does too, you know, true, uh, Western gal, my, my dad, you know, hunts everything under the sun and he fishes all the time. And that's like his outlet. And, uh, he taught that to me as well. Like he definitely instilled the idea of honoring the animal in its entirety. So I grew up eating, you know, elk sausage, spaghetti, and, you know, enchiladas my mom would make with, um, <laughs> deer meat, you know, things like that. Wow. We, we actually need to talk more because that sounds exactly kind of how the way I grew yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. And, and, you know, my dad, I joke all the time that I was totally raised by uh, a mountain man that was born in the mm -hmm. wrong era. And I was just telling Cheyenne earlier, it's so funny because um, he very much instilled, you know, use as much as you can of the animal. And if we ever did harvest anything um, while hunting, he would say, you know, we need to say a prayer and, and give grace and give gratitude Aww. for this animal, for them, give them choosing us to provide their life is what he always said. And I always really resonated with that. But now he's a uh, most recently I just it makes me laugh so much because he, <laughs> he has gotten really back into buckskin clothing making and I guess he used to do that a lot back in college and and so now um he actually will grab deer off of the side of the road that have been hit by cars or you know just roadkill in general and he's making clothing out of them and wow. it's He's, I mean, the clothing is beautiful, but it's just so funny in a world like 2020 <laughs> in these modern times, I guess, to like just laugh about the fact that I have this mountain man of a dad who's making roadkill buckskin clothing, but it circles back to that sustainability and otherwise it would go to total waste and, and that animal would not be honored. And so I do have to have a little bit of gratitude there for that, even though it makes me laugh. But um, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Out of them, let me tell you, like he will show anybody and everybody who can his his buckskin shirts. Which, granted, it's fair; it takes a long time to make those, but yeah, just pretty funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> I you know, in the many crafts that I've adopted, I've tried to do leather work, and I will say it's uh, it takes skill to do. Yeah. 
um, properly. So I, I utmost respect. So fun. Um, so if we're talking intention and, you know, doing, mm-hmm. doing things like, you know, gratitude practices when you're, when you're hunting or making roadkill clothes. That's what he should call it. Um, roadkill clothes. Honestly, that's yes. the mood. <laughs> roadkill clothes. I can, totally I can picture the branding already. Well, call your dad. <laughs> Tell him that one. RKC, baby. <laughs> um, yes. So good. Um, I'm, I'm curious kind of how much and, and however much you're willing to share of this is absolutely fine. Um, but what that actual creative process is like for you mm-hmm. in correlation with magic, you know, what kind of intention goes into the creation? How much time does it take to, you know, come up with these new lines, new scents? Um, just kind of give us a little bit more insight into, yes. into what it's uh, like being in the lab with hmm. you. I think at one point in our conversation, I had gone on some sort of tangent of, you know, uh, being raised a specific way. But, you know, growing up in the suburbs of Broomfield, Colorado, uh, it's like any suburb where it's very confining to this is what the status quo is. And uh, my family really wanted to assimilate. So I think a lot of the cultural practices were kind of a closed door to me. Uh, and witchiness was one of them for sure. I Catholicism tried to scare it out of me, but it's still there <laughs> and it's thriving now. Uh, <laughs> So I think my relationship to my own spirituality has developed quite a bit as um, I've dismantled all the shame around uh, being myself and embracing the people around me um, that brought me up. Because I I remember spending childhoods in New Mexico with my um, great aunt Cecil, and we would like make potions and we'd go on adventures. And I mean, we were not very monitored, but... In a way, it was so beautiful to just have that unrestricted play. Yeah. So I I think that's why I I wanted kind of a non-serious attitude towards my brand. Like it, the seriousness, you know, from the science and all of the occult spirituality of witchiness, but also a lot of like silliness and uh, pleasure, I guess, because that's what self-care is all about, you know, like taking care of yourself and when you make self-care so serious, you don't do it. Mm, yes, that's very true. So what are your... I would say... self-care to you? Self-care is a process of getting to know yourself, for me at least. I think it looks different for everyone, you know, case by case. But to me, self-care has been a journey into tapping into my emotions because, you know, I'm an Aquarius moon, so... I didn't think I had emotions <laughs> uh, for a long time or I, I really repressed them so that it wouldn't show to others. But I think in doing so, it made me um, quite reactive as a person. So self-care to me is seeing, you know, triggers and taking care of myself in a way. So and And that could be as simple as like, you know, in 2020, as we're living in this world of anti-racism and dismantling our own biases, um, that's that's been a crucial tool in my self-care is recognizing when I'm making a judgment about somebody or something or myself. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, when you absolutely. have to put on a mask, you're like looking yourself in the face. Like there's no denying it. You're right there in the mirror confronting yourself. And I think, uh, I don't know. I don't really go. Sometimes I go about self-care in a kind of surface level way. I'll take a bubble bath 
and I'll, you know, wear a mask and I'll just listen to music and hang out. But um, oftentimes I use self-care as my gateway drug into my mind self-care, the ritual of it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such an interesting point. And it's so important to note because self-care, like everything under the sun has absolutely been co-opted, right? (laughs) To mean things like, oh, we're, you know, we're taking a bubble bath and we're staying in our robe all day. And, and while that's definitely a part of it, and I definitely have those days where I'm like, this is all I'm going to do is like cute beauty pampering things. Um, you know, self-care is shadow work. Self-care is, is doing that. It's looking yourself in the mirror and confronting, you know, all of your own, all of your own shit. And I think it's, uh, it's really important to make that distinction too, that while yes, we Mm -hmm. have beautiful rainbow soaps and face masks, which I'm (laughs) like, got that one in my Etsy cart. I'm ready. As soon as payday, that Vernet mask is going to be in my cart. It's my fave. Um, and like, we're all over that, you know, (laughs) And, and we totally, totally love love that indulgence in it too but um but it has an equal and opposite side which is is sitting with your shit and really examining yourself and where you personally can be unlearning and improving yeah and, and, and just to um, kind of build just, on I'm that i'm really glad you um, made that point i do think it's important to it's it's about intention we, we keep coming back to that right like i do think it's important to try to make intention to um seek positivity where we can and and make an effort in that regard. But at the same time, that can also become very toxic. Um, and mm-hmm. the day, sometimes, you know, there are external factors that can weigh us down or that, you know, life gets real sometimes. And to just try and burst through that and pretend that everything's okay when it's not, I think is actually more detrimental at times than it is to be to do that work and to really sift through, okay, what am I experiencing right now? What does this mean for me? And, and find a way to move forward through that. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because to, to sit here and, and I, and I think this is something that comes up in the spiritual community a lot is the whole love and light concept and that everybody's the love and light, and love uh. and light. <laughs> but that can be very isolating for people too, who do struggle with things like depression or, um, other kinds of, of things like that. And to, it almost is, I know, I, I would say putting a deficit lens on someone's ability to be able to grow or develop um, if they do have something like that, you know, where, where that's part of the process is learning how to work through that in a healthy way and seeking guidance and support where we can. You put that so well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get off on my rambles, you know. She does, doesn't she? She's <laughs> like you best. have a podcast or something. <laughs> Gratitude for all of you. Uh yeah. Very important. Um, okay. Well, to bring it to a love and light kind of note, Ooh. do you have a favorite product right now? Is there something of yours that you're like, oh, when I made this, it was just everything aligned. Yeah, so you right. know, I'm on... absolutely obsessed. It's so funny how things just work out sometimes, you know. I look I worry constantly, you know, I am always that like anxious little Virgo baby. That's like, I need to plan for things like seven (laughs) steps ahead. I'm worried about the worry about the worry about the what, you know, like it just goes on and on. And yet when I reflect, I'm like, wow, that worked out so perfectly. Like how auspicious is it that uh, I'm celebrating two years of Toil and Trouble being an existing brand. And prior to that, I had, um, many different little pieces that culminated into this like perfect moment. So 
let me back up a little bit. I made this last round of soap. Uh, I, it was four different crystals. Um, each of them, you know, some of them are suggestions from people on Instagram saying like, I'd really like a soap like this. And, you know, I think the people that follow me have great taste. And so of course I'm going to create something like that. Uh, and once that batch was finished, I had all these little bits left and some of them I was able to stamp and turn into samples and then spread the wealth towards all the lovely small business owners I know in the world. Uh, and then a lot of it was just like these kind of ugly scraps. Of course, I let nothing go to waste. So I'm here re researching, how can I redo these? Like, can I make them into in beds? Could I, you know, how can I reshape this uh, waste into something that I can, you know, continue to give back to people? Uh, that's, that's what I love to do is to just make things and bring that joy to people by them receiving it. Uh, I, that's just how I connect with people, I guess. Um, so I made this scrap soap out of, out of the scraps of the soap that I made in my last batch. And it ended up in these like dual layers <laughs> in a really cool way, because when you rebatch soap, uh, it's a little more chunky. So the kind of swirly designs of my normal soaps, I, I couldn't really achieve that effect because of the consistency of the, um, the batter. So essentially, if those listeners out there don't know how soap is made, you combine a mixture of water, lye, and fat to create soap. Um, and you're, of course, there's like a deeper process into <laughs> how to achieve like the perfect soap. But once that process has been done and you're taking soap that's been made and turning it into new soap, the consistency is just much different than this like kind of liquid that you get with trace um, in the normal cold process making. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. I'm here thinking like, how do I make this look cool? Uh, what, you know, I wonder when my like anniversary is for my business. So I look on Instagram, November 12th. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll do like some sort of thing that looks like confetti cake because that's like my favorite birthday cake is funfetti. So I turned that into like a bar of soap that has this like giant stack of pink frosting and like a white interior with funfetti in it. And that became the soap that was celebrating the anniversary. And it's my two year and it's in this like dual shape of like a pink layer and a white layer. So it's like the number two in 2020, you know, like it's, it's all just so perfect. Yes. It's so funny. I have your Instagram pulled up I'm, right I'm now. Looking at it. It I'm just absolutely does look like a slice of confetti cake. Just how cool that something that was that, would be considered waste ended up having such a special true connection to that moment in your life and your business. Like that's just, that's so beautiful. It timed out so perfectly. I'm just like, wow, how, how my guides are with me or the universe is on. It's here for me. And that feels so good in this year. That's just been so hard for people. Right. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful. Well, and what a nice, Nice is a very simple word for this. <laughs> um, but what a wonderful thing to be able in this kind of time of turmoil too, to be able to offer something that is so nourishing and cozy and yummy. And I just, that brings people, I think we're all reaching for, for comfort wherever we can find it right now. Um, and especially in things like, you know, quarantine mm -hmm. and not going out and, you know, obviously we're recording separately 
not being able to go and like squeeze your people. It's nice to be able to like lather up with a bar of soap and just feel that, feel that connection and feel that intention and love when it's, when it's a little bit harder to, to get that from each other right now. So I just, there's just a lot of, yeah, you know, like we, really we're so starved for touch right now. So it's like, that. it sounds so stupid, but it's not just like, give yourself a hug sometimes. Like, you know, like when you're washing up in the shower, just like give yourself <laughs> a little hug. And it honestly really, really helps. And it seems silly, but it, you need that physical touch sometimes. Well, we do. And I remember, I mean, someone can fact check me on this later for sure. Um, <laughs> um, Cause this is a memory I'm having from high school, but I remember reading some sort of psychology class we were in that says like we as human beings actually need like oh, wow. 14 instances of physical touch in a day, like genuine physical touch, like hugs, high fives, handshakes, like we are so used to touching each other. And I think the average number people get is like four, but for optimal growth and happiness and wellness, you need 14 interactions of like big bear hugs and high fives and just genuine connection with other people. And, and I know people are really struggling with that right <laughs> now. So I, yeah, I, I love the give yourself a hug advice. Yeah. And then my you, friends have a quota now. Of them, yeah. And my love language is us. definitely physical touch and words of affirmation. So we need to like triple that. Otherwise I <laughs> break down. <laughs> Hug me and tell me. Yes. Bless love you. Little and exactly. Who allows me to just like be glommed onto him at all times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, and I just want to kind of hear from you, Sam, like in your, your practice, in your craft, what does a typical day look like for you as a witch? Um, and, and kind of how, how does, how do you incorporate ritual into your life? Um, is your business a, big, a huge part of that or is it something that kind of adds to it? I'm just really curious about like what you consider to be your path or, or how you go about, um, each of your day to day days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say that I've tried to continually, you know, provide levity to the business because as soon as I take it too seriously, I'm going to psych myself out and it's going to go nowhere. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be too daunting for me to, to take so seriously if I make it that way. So basically I, my practice is centered around of the thing I'm interested in at the time, you know, like, oh, I'm reading so much about nettles. So I'm going to make some sort of mask so I can have a relationship with that herb that I've been reading so much about and kind of, you know, combine the intellectual side with the physical. So I guess a day in the lab kind of looks like a lot of, a lot of planning to, you know, source the materials and kind of come up with an arrangement of scents that smell nice and also kind of provide benefits to our skin. Um, so, you know, those are the top priorities in my brain when I'm like crafting a soap. And then I also look at the calendar see, okay, when, when does this ritual need to take place essentially and plan accordingly? Uh, and I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I only use essential oils in my soaps. So when I'm creating a soap scent, it's, it's reliant on just three elements. It's, um, you know, your base note, your mid note, your high note, as opposed to like a synthetic fragrance where you can get like, you know, apple cider smelling, you know, like specific scents that I just can't achieve with essential oils. Mm -hmm. So I'm also like trying to incorporate elements of aromatherapy into the soap as I'm making it. 
Um, so a lot of forethought goes into that just to, to recognize like what is acceptable as an essential oil on your skin, because not all of them are. Yeah. That's very interesting. I'm like trying to think of anything else I'm doing, (laughs) uh, in terms of my, I would say mostly like I'm driven by intuition (laughs) and curiosity, uh, at the end of the day, I, I do have all those like planning elements in terms of like a calendar, just so I can make the commitment to myself and also, you know, like tap into the energy of what's going on. Uh, I'm a big astrology person. So to me, it's, it's nice to know like when the stars are aligned for you, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh um, yeah. Just, and this is just an interesting um, point and kind of thing that I was ruminating over e- or over earlier is soap making is also you have, you've got to have a fair amount of patience for this kind of work, right? Like soap is true. Something yes, you just make uh, on a Saturday you know. Okay, so done. start to finish, I should probably encapsulate what that looks like because you know we're talking about ritual and all the conception around a brand and all of that, but I've neglected to explain fully how I make soap. Water and lye combined, saponify oil which creates soap. And what you're looking for in soap is to really have the lye completely dissolved and the water evaporated that was carrying the lye. So you mix water and lye together and that creates a um, thermodynamic reaction. And so the, the temperature of that mixture is going to go really, really high. Lye is very caustic. Uh, I like to refer to Fight Club you know, the, the scene where they pour lye on his hand and it burns the crap out of him. That is, that is the chemical I'm working with. And so I have to be very careful and very mindful of the ventilation and, and where I'm mixing things and just completely cognizant of that material. So it goes up in temperature. And then finally, it starts to, to go down in temperature. As it's going down in temperature, you're trying to match the temperature of the oils that you've combined separately with the water and the lye. That blend of oils will affect the soap itself. So for instance, I use olive oil in my soap, heavy, heavy olive oil soap to nourish the skin. Uh, But the trade-off with olive oil is that it creates a very soft bar. Um, So to offset that, I incorporate coconut oil, which adds a lot of body and stiffness to the bar of soap itself. And it also creates like a really rich bubbly lather Um, But again, the trade-off for coconut oil is drying it out. So there's like a temperance involved with how you combine your your different oils to create a bar that's nourishing for the skin. So once you've done that, you have a mixture that you then use a a power whisk to to mix up completely so that everything is evenly distributed. Uh, That will get you what's called trace, which basically kind of looks like like cake batter consistency. Like if you pick up like a, a spoon, it's it's going to have some body to it. That's when I add my essential oils to fragrance everything, pour it in the mold, let that mold do its thing and solidify for 24 hours about uh, and making sure that's covered too, because, you know, even the temperature of this mixture itself, it needs to be very insulated. Otherwise it might mess with how the inside of the bar of soap cures. Um, so like every step of the process is, is so intentional and I've messed up, you know, so many batches of soap in the, the decade that I've 
done this, but I, every time I've learned something new of like, oh, I have to be mindful of the draft in the house uh, so that it's not affecting my soap and how it's curing. Once you pop it out of the mold, essentially, that it's I just hand cut everything and I have like a, a measuring tool that, you know, measures everything exactly to an inch and cut it from there, stamp it. At this point, I, I put my soaps on, uh, going back to my like DIY thrifty nature, I found this like incredible wooden wine rack at a garage sale and it's huge. It's like, I could never own this much wine, but it's perfect for curing soap. So I just put my little bars of soap in the little like wells of the, where you'd normally put the bottles of wine and let them hang out for four weeks while that lye water solution evaporates. So that's the process in a nutshell. Interesting. It's so interesting too, just to think about just on a, you know, kind of more cerebral level, something like lye, something that does burn, something that is really dangerous to work with. Um, at the end of this process, it's, it's yeah, like it's so, so true. And just, and perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> it is. absolutely. I'm it's very fascinated by lies, to be honest, because, uh, you know, one of the chefs that I met at Colton Gray, who ended up transferring with Kyle, his name is Justin. Um, he works at Julep and they have this giant wood burning stove that they cook things on. So like, again, go to this place. It's so good. Ugh, it's delicious. And uh, anyway, Justin and I have this relationship where he'll give me fat, <laughs> we'll turn it into soap. And he is like, we used to hang out together and have what we called science kitchen, where we would just like get the most random ingredients ever and try and make like, like we would play chopped essentially. <laughs> and uh, so he's always been like cutting edge, like, like that's so he's fun. the type of friend that's like, hey, I made you a sandwich. But the sandwich he made was like bread that he baked himself bacon that he cured himself, tomato that he grew himself, and with mayonnaise from the chickens that he has. That's Justin. He's awesome. Um, so anyway, Justin's like trying to make wood ash lye, because that's essentially, you know, how it started before it became more of like a commercial process. Um, using that wood ash to make soap. So from the ground up, we're making soap from like we haven't done this yet, so it requires a lot of measuring tools that I need to buy to test the pH of the, the lye that he's making. But maybe sometime in the future, we're going to have something that's like that zero waste, which I think is amazing. Like it's wood ash from a restaurant that would have been like composted. And you like let me know a week ahead of time before you, that stuff drops so that I can that's be there ready cool. to. That's amazing. <laughs> See, the beauty is I'll make the soap. And there will be four weeks of it just curing. So you'll know, you'll definitely know far uh, ahead of its release. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We just have to test the concentration. Um, from what I understand. So using lye, he, he, he developed this lye, not only for me or not to test out in soap specifically, but he, he makes pretzels, right? And so a traditional pretzel is dipped in this like lye water and, um, I don't know all that much about it, to be perfectly honest with you, but the pH is much, much lower than what you would need to make soap. So that's kind of like where we're stuck uh, is like, I don't know how we can increase the concentration or if I can adjust the recipe so that we need like a lower concentration. So, I mean, for all I know, it might be like a lotion bar. It might be like something that's that's not very lather. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know, but I'm so excited to just Softer. have Science Kitchen with Justin again. Ugh, that sounds so fun. I'm excited to see where this grows. And absolutely congratulations and happy to your anniversary because that's a big deal. But I <laughs> also you. love that you're always like, yeah, I, I don't know why it's it's like almost a game to me to use as much of something as possible or like try and get this to like the nth degree. Um, like I've in terms of packaging, even, you know, the the wrappers for the bars of soap are are vegan, <laughs> um, for lack of a better word. Uh, they're adhered together with a um, a vegan wax. So I don't use glue. I don't use adhesive purely for the sake of it being able to be composted. Um, so the wrapper on it, I, I hope if anybody does compost, you know, they, they put it in there so that it doesn't go to waste either. We love to see it. We love to smell it. We love to lather it. We love all of it. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is another one of those problems where I feel like I could ask you questions all day long forever. Um, Shale, do you have any other? So, I guess my touch on final question missed? would be because of the state of the world right now and how everything just feels so chaotic and we feel so polarized and, and everything just seems so negative. If you could have a message for the world based on what you've learned through self-care or what you've learned through your business or through your craft or anything, if you had a message for the world, what do you think you would say? Ooh. Right? Let me collect my thoughts. Okay. You take all the time you need. No um, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, it's a great question. It's challenging, though, to um, think of on the spot. 2020 has been just a reflective year, you know, like hindsight 2020, that that's, that's this year. And, uh, <laughs> funny, I have a not actually, I know, I feel like I'm over here mind blown. Like, moment. holy crap. Why is it taking me until November to make that universe And we missed it. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> it is such a transformative year, but we are seeing oh, ourselves a little bit more clearly than I think that we did prior to COVID. Uh, so I guess to me, you don't know much, like how much shit that you have to work through until you actually look at it. Uh, and to that point, I guess I shouldn't even say it's shit. It's not mm -hmm. shit. It is those parts of ourselves that we think are, are so ugly. They're just parts of ourselves, you know? And so to, to kind of Treat them a way that you wouldn't actually treat a normal person. Like that's kind of how I look at it in terms of like self-care in this year. Like I, a lot of people's trauma, including my own, has come up in this year and I've been willing to engage with it and to see those anxious ones or those angry ones or those depressed ones inside of myself. And instead of tell them to go away, ask them questions. Uh, and that's kind of turned on my creativity. Like, I think that I feel like my brain was asleep for a really long time and I, I'm kind of like waking up this year. Mm, I feel like a lot of people can really relate to that, myself included. Um, which I think, honestly, that brings us to a yes. really solid per witch and slip, I think, which is to engage with your shadow and to engage with, with yourself, your whole self, 
and to acknowledge those messy bits and to face them head on and, um, and, you know, face them head on without, without judgment for yourself, but with openness and, and growth. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot of beauty that comes from this kind of dismantling and this self-work and all of this, you know, cultural unlearning and it's hard and it's heavy. And I definitely have days where I'm like, okay, I can't do another thing, but then you do and you get through it. And it's, um, I just think it's, it's that self-care that we need to lean into, you know, we've got the bubbles and the soap and all of the, you know, delicious, fun, cozy things. But, um, you know, with that, we need to be, be hanging out with those demons and then making sure we are and and facing them instead of distracting ourselves. Yes. So (laughs) absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And those demons, they're they're honestly cool. Those demons are like worth listening to sometimes, not following their advice necessarily, but learning from what their motivations are. Uh, So by that, I mean, you know, I, I use a modality of internal family systems as I'm working, you know, with a therapist and understanding these, you, you basically separate your emotions into parts of yourself. So self-energy is when you're not being consumed by those parts, but you're witnessing them and you're allowing them to exist and you're listening to them. Uh, it's, it's, she, my therapist, Heidi had put it in the perspective of you're looking at clouds, like these feelings and thoughts that you have are clouds that are passing by and self is the sun. So that energy is always there, but sometimes it's a little bit like shadowed by these clouds that are around or, or shaped by, you know, this is a nimbus and it's much more dark and brooding than this cumulus cloud, you know, that kind of thing. Um, when it comes to self-care, we, we often hear what we should be doing but we don't really know what that looks like until we do it. Uh, so, you know, if something's stopping you, if you're feeling that resistance, one of the first things that you can do to engage with self-work is asking, why, why are we resisting? You know, there are these, there's a practice called seven C's of self. Mm. Uh, and basically that is using IFS to engage with your parts in, from a place of self-energy and those seven C's kind of guide you into what self-energy actually looks like. So for instance, uh, you can meet that part that's causing resistance within you with obviously compassion is like a really good one. Like, oh, you're very misunderstood. I'm here to listen. Uh, or curiosity, like tell me more about like why we need to slow down. Um, calm, clarity, courage, connectedness, confidence, and creativity are the other ones. But you always have these tools to engage with those quote unquote demons. Um, it's just the playbook that some, sometimes we don't have. So it's helpful to, to kind of have those, those things that will allow you to tap into self. Yes. Well, gosh, yeah, I guess I just, (laughs) and again, like I could talk to you forever, so I need to keep myself in check here a little bit, but I just want to express, um, so much gratitude and humility for you coming on and sharing all of this with us, all of this knowledge, um, and being so open and vulnerable. I'm I so just, happy to be um, here. I'm so yes. And I echo that fully. Um, I, I'm very gratitude. I'm filled with gratitude and we feel a lot of honor in you sharing your wisdom with us. And I mean, I am normally getting after my husband about his love for Irish spring soap, but I'm going to get on him even more now that I know how, 
important it is in the soap making process to uh, have more intention there. Um, so I'm sure he's looking forward to that. But thank you so much. It's just it's incredible to get kind of in a glimpse into the work you do and um, the intention behind it and just how much love and energy you put into your soap and your self-care products. And so thank you so much. And, and all of our listeners, make sure that you, as soon as you're done listening here, hop over to the Toil and Trouble Instagram page that is going to be listed here in the show notes. And you better go make sure that you give Sam some love or we'll come for you. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> the coven is after you. Yes. Like, follow, share, and purchase. Remember to shop small. We're coming into holiday season, whatever holiday or however you like to celebrate this time of year. Um, if your love language is gifting, this is a really in beautiful, intentional way to, to do that. Thank so you. everybody just, yeah, shower her with some love. Mm. All right. Yes. Well, cheers. Yes. Thank I you look so forward much. to listening and to more episodes and soon. just hearing that Coven grow and and learning as you all learn i'm excited bye well, enjoy the rest of your weekend and thank you so much and we will chat soon thank you for joining us on this episode of ouija boards and midnight marks if you're having a witching good time we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven you all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>